Hey church, Pastor Eric here, and I'm just so glad that you're joining us on our podcast today. I just pray that this message will stir up your faith, build you up, and just move you closer to the Father's heart. If you want to learn more about us as a church or would like to get further connected, you can visit us at our website at oasischurchchicago.com, download our app, Oasis Church Chicago, and also join us on YouTube for our live streams on Sundays and Wednesdays. We hope you find this message to be encouraging and life-giving. Now here's today's message from Pastor JP. Amen. Hey, um, today I'm going to kick off um, our series entitled His Heaven on Earth. We've done this series now, if you've been with us, for three years, each time during the Advent series. And um, I'm really, this is, this is truly one of my favorite series in our house that we um, do. We don't do many series often re- repetitively, but this one we have. And every time um, I go to pray, I go to prepare, I just really sense um, God is going to do something great in it. And the last two times, and why I believe that even more is because you're here in the room. The last two times we've done this series, we've been online due to COVID. So it's even better to have people in the room. Amen? It's better to be in the room together. Um, Those days of talking to a a camera. Glory be to God. Amen? So we're in Advent, and we're in the series entitled His Heaven on Earth. Christopher, if you missed because you were late, you missed. Um, I'm just kidding. Uh, but Christopher explained the Advent season and why the candles and the wreath and, and that we, we've never done this traditionally as a church, but this year we decided to do this. And so each candle represents one of four words that we're going to cover over these next couple weeks to lead us um, into remembrance that Jesus came and Jesus is coming. Jesus came and Jesus has come. And so that fact that he has come and that he's coming, he has given us these four words that we're gonna focus on. He's given us access to live in those words through the power of Jesus' coming and his return. Amen? So today we're gonna cover hope, we're gonna cover love, we're gonna cover joy, and we're gonna cover peace. And then we're gonna lead into that time on December 21st. But as we think of that, as we think of Jesus' coming, we are in this kingdom of now and yet to come, yeah? And, and sometimes I think the hardest thing for believers is to live in that tension. Maybe for me, at least, the hardest thing to do is to live in that tension of, I want the fullness of the kingdom now, but it's not fully here yet because it's gonna come when he returns. But, but in that waiting time, it gets a little bit tough, it gets a little hard, it gets a little bit, sometimes not, the hope kind of dwindles, the, the joy kind of fades away, the peace kind of lacks. Anybody else? Like it's the reality that his kingdom is at hand now, available today, but it's still the fullness of it yet to come. But the job of, of what his word is for us to do, over the next, the word of the Lord's job is this, is to spur us into believing more and more that his kingdom is here and his kingdom is to come. And to be a people that live our lives in that. Not falling away, not getting tired, not getting weary, but growing. How many of you know, the, the, the greatest sign of you, you knowing Jesus is your growth. Like, believers are called to grow, right? Like, I was talking to my cousin last night, and we were talking about how, how when you come to Jesus, you're referred to, right, right, new creation. Yes? Bible 101? Like, you're a new creation. So what that is, is you're a new baby, right? Like, I don't expect Titus to be 25 when he's three. Sometimes I do. I, I, I know he's three. Am I going to treat him like he's three? Old? No, I'm going I'm to train him and equip him. But he's three, Right? He's not 25, so I'm giving him the grace, right, to grow as he's three. Hello? 
It's not access for Titus to do whatever he wants to do, but it's the knowledge of a father knowing he's not 25 yet, he's three, and so, so he's gonna grow into that. You with me? So the believer's life is to grow in the hope, in the joy, in the peace, in the love of Jesus is coming and is yet to come. His heaven is on earth, it's today. Now, now that theology is, is a little bit tough sometimes for people to understand or grasp or get on board with, and that, that's okay, but in this house, we believe, just like Jesus prays and teaches his disciples to pray, that we can pray that his kingdom come, his will be done, where? Where? On earth, as it is where? In heaven. That prayer that Jesus prays, Bishop, as you, you talk about it a lot, I mean, Bishop Ed Peters here with us today, he, he, he writes about this, he, we, we talked about this, there is something powerful when you tap into that. When that you don't just wait for his kingdom to come. The kingdom's at hand today, right? And so I believe, just like Jesus prayed, that Jesus, you want to do things of the kingdom now. You want to show the kingdom today. You want to bring heaven to earth today. Amen? Like, like, like how many of you actually believe in that? I want to see a hand. I'm not judging if you don't. It's okay. Like, we actually believe that Jesus wants to do that today. It's in God's will. It's in his plans. He wants his kingdom to unfold today. So if we believe this, then why isn't it happening? If we actually believe that heaven wants to invade earth, why isn't it happening? I mean, listen, I'm not gonna be so pessimistic, right? It's happening in a lot of places, but maybe like the context of right here, right now, why isn't it happening here in our lives, fully, in our city, in our neighborhood? in our businesses, in our school. Why is it happening? Is God schizophrenic? Is God just not a man of his word? Like, is God a liar? Does God not have the ability and the access to do what he says? He's, no, his word will never return void, amen? How many of you believe that? His word will never return void. God is not missing it. And he's surely not lacking the desire to move heaven here on earth. I actually believe that about my father in heaven. His desire is to see his kingdom come and unfold here. Oh, Chicago's just way too far gone. No, it's not. Do you know why? Because there's human beings here, ones that were knitted in their mother's womb, perfectly designed by the creator. God is not done with this city. Everyone should say amen to that, even if you're visiting in Jesus' name. Right, he's not done. He desires for his plans to unfold here. He desires for the light of heaven to invade here. He desires for deliverances here. He desires for healing here. He desires for the kingdom here. He desires it. He isn't lacking. He isn't up in heaven going, ah, it's not gonna happen. He's in heaven going, come on, church. Come on, believers. The reason why I believe it's not happening it's us. It's us. We're our own worst enemies. Amen? Like, like we, it's on us. This is not to condemn. This is an invitation today. But it appears that if his kingdom's not like, like showing up in the ways that we see in scripture, it's not on God, it's on us. And I believe over the next couple of weeks, my, my heart and our goal as a, a team that will be preaching and teaching is to spur us into tapping in the kingdom of God like never before because I really believe the Holy Spirit wants to take some veils off of eyes. He wants to remove some, some stuff that has been blocking our view of actually believing that his kingdom is here, his kingdom's coming, but it's here right now and he wants to do great and mighty things in us. 
He wants to work. He wants to do all those things I just declared and more. Hello? He, he, he not only wants to fill stadiums, because that's like a sense of like revival happening, and I believe that. He wants to transform blocks. He wants to transform generational, generations of family members. Do you believe that? Like, do you actually believe that? He, he wants to break generational curses that have been gripped, right? He wants to do great things. That's the kingdom unfolding at hand. And it happens when we as people go like this, do it in me. Do it in me, God. I, I don't feel hopeful today. I don't feel joyful today. I don't feel full of love today. I don't feel peaceful. But you know what? The moment I mention it and ask you of it, you are quick to give it to me. How I many you know he's a really quick God to give us those things? He doesn't, he doesn't just withhold that, right? If you ask God for peace, can I just say it this way? If you ask God for peace, he's not like, no, not today. Nate, nope, just you, nope. I'll give it to Mert, nope, Nate, no. We, we think, anybody ever thought of God like that? Like I've asked him for peace and I'm like, you're not gonna give it to me. He's quick in wanting and desiring to give it to you. You with me this morning? He wants his heaven here on earth. You know how I know that? He sent Jesus. He sent Jesus. It was the plan to begin. He will come. How do I know I can pray? Your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven because he sent Jesus already. You with me? So there's not a question in my mind of like, does he want to do this? Does he really want to do this? Does he really want to see breakthrough? Does he really want to see the game? No, because he gave Jesus. This is good news, church. And so it's got to happen through us. It's got to happen through us going, all right, Lord, do it in me. My mandate as a believer then is to bring heaven to earth. My mandate as a child of the king is to see heaven unfold among my, my, my family, among my loved ones, among my block, among my house, the house that I live, right? Like do it in me. Fill me with the spirit of God so I can see the light of heaven unfold. We who believe that God's kingdom, this quote from from uh, um, C.S. Keener says this, we believe that God's kingdom has invaded history in the person of Jesus of Nazareth, yeah? So we must exemplify his reign in our own lives in the present. The world around should be able to look at how God's people treat one another and see what heaven is like. So much that they want to share in that future kingdom. We live out among them in the age. Did you hear that? That because of Jesus' coming, because of his invasion into our lives, that should change the things around us. He wants to do it. He wants to work heaven on earth through you, through me, through us. To be a people that don't just intellectually agree, but actually tap into this thing and begin to live this thing out. So today we're gonna look at hope, amen? We're gonna look at hope. I, I just put his heaven on earth, a resilient hope. I really feel like that's a word that we need to put in front of hope today. Resilient. A resilient hope. Resilient defined as this, able to withstand or recover quickly from difficult conditions. How many have had some difficult conditions over the last couple years? It's time to put resilience in front of that hope, to say, no, you know what? We're getting back to Jesus. We're getting back to his promises. We're getting back to his word. We're getting back to what he says. We're getting back to the, to the belief in our heart, in our soul, deep within us, that his heaven wants to move here among me. It's a resilience. Hope defined in the Greek is this, expectation, confidence, anticipation. That's, that's, the, that's the word in the Greek. The word hope is much different 
from the typical meaning we connect with the word today. Hope usually means looking towards something that might happen depending on certain circumstances. I hope the Bears win. Come on. Justin Fields is out, man, we're in trouble. I just hope though, I hope I get the promotion. I hope I get this, I hope I get that. We've dumbed down hope to that. We've made it, we've made it that thing where everybody says, I hope, I hope, anybody, right? But the true biblical hope is not wishful thinking about something good that might happen in the future. It is a confidence from God concerning his promises, which makes, which makes it sure and leaves no room for doubt. Come on, in Jesus' name, remove doubt that you are gonna fulfill your promises because it is based on God's word. We will experience this hope because our God is the God of hope. How many of you know that's his label, the God of hope? You awake this morning. He is the God of hope. He is sure to do this, which means that he himself is the object and assurance of our hope. It's a confidence assurance of now and future glory and blessing. So open up your Bibles to Psalm 71, verse 14. If you have a Bible, how many of you actually brought your physical Bibles to church? How many? Show of hands. Lift it up. Well done. Well done. Psalm 71, and then if you want to bookmark, we're going to go to 1 Peter 1. 1 Peter 1, so Psalm 71, 14. I just wanna read two passages of scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, and just show the power of their reliance on Jesus and, and the promise of hope. Two different authors, two different writers, but tapped into the promise and the, and the assurance of hope. This is what Psalm 71, 14 says. We're gonna lean into this resilient hope. But as for me, I will always have hope. I will praise you more and more. The writer says this after looking across his life. This is, this is believed to be David writing a long, like later in his age. He's looking across his life. His enemies are still at him, but he, but he says this. But as for me, I will, what? What? Always have hope. Now, now I know, listen, there's some of you in this room, you're facing some really hard circumstances, some really big trials, some deep pain. David is writing from that place. Can I, I say that with confidence. He's writing from that place of being pursued, being attacked, making some really dumb mistakes in his life, but he's writing these words and he's saying, but as for me, I will always have hope and I will praise you more and more. Peter writes in 1 Peter 1, 3 through 4, turn there real quick and mark these. It says this, once again, praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. Come on, that's good. Into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you. Peter writes these words, praise be to the God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ in his great mercy. He has given us new birth into a living hope. That's a really good place to say amen to the Bible. Into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you. I wanna talk about a resilient hope today, just for a few moments. A resilient hope, a hope that will, will look at difficult situations and say, you know what, no, we're looking ahead. We're anticipating, we're trusting, we're believing for great things of God. This is, once again, one of those messages where you're either gonna say, I'm on board or I'm not. I hope and pray today we're on board for this. You know, children are resilient. 
If you don't have a kid, just one day, you'll see. They are resilient. My son is resilient. He's resilient in asking me for things time and time and time and time and time and time again. I'm sending him to one of your house in Jesus' name. They have a great gift to be resilient, though, when they're sick. When I'm sick, it could be a minor cold, a little congestion. Shut the whole thing down. I'm on the couch. I got the four things of NyQuil, DayQuil, whatever, no spray, whatever you got. Whatever you got, babe, like find it, get it to me, and I'm not moving. This is just counseling for me. Anybody else? Like, like if I get the sniffles, I'm in trouble. Resilience is gone. But my son, my daughter, I've watched, they are resilient when they're sick. They will fight through it. My son was, you guys know, was in the hospital a couple weeks ago for a couple days. He got pneumonia and RSV and it was really intense. And so he was there. And the first couple days were really hard um, to get him to, to do the things that the nurses were asking him to do. Take his inhaler, make sure that the IV was all set. Like, like it was very, he was, he was weak. But, but as I would be there with him, I, I did the day shifts. Rachel did the night shifts. So in the daytime, I would look at him and I would say, son, like, like, like you have to do this, buddy. Right, like parents find hacks and ways to figure, like, like, right? Like we find ways to get our kids to do things. No one else, just me? Okay, well then I'm a terrible parent. I find hacks and ways to get my son and daughter to do things. Like, like I said to him, son, if you do this inhaler, if, you, if I can lift you up for just a moment, you can get back to the TV, you can get back to rest. I just need you to take this inhaler, just six puffs, four times. Just come on, let's do it together because if you do this, you get to go home. Son, we got four, three more. Son, if you do this, you get to go home. They came in the final day. You, you know what? Hey, we're gonna take him off the oxygen. We're gonna get him off that stuff, but he's gotta start moving because that pneumonia's in his chest. And if the more he moves, the quicker he gets to go home. I said, son, it's time to get up out of the bed. I felt like I was in World War III. I felt like it was a battle that I was never gonna get out of. And I said, son, come on, you can do this. If you get up out of bed and you start walking, come on, be resilient. You're resilient, son. You can do this. If you start walking, you'll get to go home. I don't want to do this. It felt like he just slowly walked, slowly walked, slowly walked. Oh, tight. We got to lift him up, put him back in the bed for a few minutes, right, baby? We'd get him up and move him again. Son, if you can do this, we get to go home. The promise of home is what what built a resilience in him. The promise of, of, of what was ahead kept him going in where he was at. Are you with me? The promise of what was there kept him focused and ready to do what he was called to do in that moment. He knew that home was where he was gonna go because his dad told him so and his mom told him. And so if he knew that that's what was ahead in that moment, he would do whatever he needed to do to get there. You with me? That's a good word, Pastor, I know. There was a resilience to my son that said, you know what, I'm gonna hold on to hope. I'm gonna hold on to the promise of home. See, church, the, the, over the last couple of years, the, the, we have lost our sense of hope because we've lost where we are found. We have lost where our home is. We have gotten caught up in all of the chaos and confusion and distraction, and we fixated our eyes here instead of picking our heads up and looking up above, right? Doesn't scripture say, fix our eyes and our minds on the things above, not on the things of this earth, right? Does scripture say that? 
right? And over time, we've lost the resilience of hope because we've become fixated on the problems, on the circumstances, on the things that are surrounding us. And today, the Holy Spirit's saying to this house, start to look ahead to what has been promised to you. It is the hope of heaven. It's the hope of Jesus Christ. It's the promise that you are saved, redeemed, set free, covered, purchased, paid for, a blessed son and daughter. Look ahead to hope. And build a resilience. Build a resilience of hope because the world needs it. Not only the world, you need it. I need it. I want to be a person that lives with deep hope. This word hope has been circulating over my heart over the last couple months. I've been talking about it with friends and brothers saying, like, 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 like hope is super important to build. So important because I, right, coming where I've come from, if many of you know, leading through all that stuff, COVID and all that stuff, some different trials we faced, I got locked into some hopelessness. I got really locked into hopelessness. You know, hopelessness is a lie from the enemy. And listen, my, my, you're like, well, you don't know my pain. You don't know, my, I, I know, but, but I'm just, I'm just, hear me out. It could be the worst situation or just the situation, whatever. Hopelessness is hopelessness. And I got locked into it. And so when I'm in hopelessness, all I hear is chaos, anxiety, fear, depression. Where did I find my life living from? Chaos, anxiety, depression, fear. Instead of understanding this powerful concept that I am responsible for building hope in my life. And I have access to actually build hope in my life. Do you understand this? Am I making sense? That, that, that hopelessness was where I was found because I forgot that I actually have access to build a resilient hope. You are responsible for the hope you build in your heart. Hear me. You are responsible for the hope you build in Jesus Christ. It is not just gonna happen by happen chance. It's not gonna happen by a bunch of prophetic words that may come to you because trust me, I've heard people get thousands of prophetic words spot on and still have hopelessness. Why? Because you can't eat at someone's table all the time. I'm, I'm just gonna preach. I got like, what, 14 minutes? You can't eat at other people's tables. You can't get someone else's daily bread and feed it into your own heart and receive hope. You need to get your own hope at your own table with God. You need to feed your soul. And, and the reality is this today. The reason why we've lost resilience and not seeing his heaven come to earth is because we've been feeding our souls and our hearts with a whole bunch of hopeless stuff. Hello? Like, like, like the reality is today that if I go on some social platform, I'm not doing be real, that's from the devil and Jesus. I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. Uh, no one knows, some people don't even know what be real is. Don't, it's, don't, don't. Just one more distraction. Um, like, like I have found myself today scrolling through certain things going, this is just full of hopelessness. Like, yeah, I get the occasional smiley face or the picture of this family or that thing. And I, but the rest of it, it's just like hopelessness. And we sit there for hours. Like, like, retweet. Do you still use Twitter? Like, like oh, share this. It's all hopelessness. I, I mean, like, I'm not, I'm not like fully being like social media is bad, get off of it. I'm not doing anything. But I'm just saying, we inject in our lives hopelessness time and time and time again. And we sit here and wonder why we're dead. 
why we have no joy, why we have no peace, why we have no life, why we're not seeing the kingdom of heaven unfolding around us is because what we ingest is what we will produce. Oh, it's not what goes in the body. Yes, it is what goes into the mind. It is what you fill your eyes with. It's what you fill your ears with. I'm more aware of this today because I know what it feels like to live in hopelessness. I understand what it can do to you but I have tasted the goodness of God. I have tasted the power of the Holy Spirit once again, and I know that there is a hope ahead for me. There is a promise ahead for me. There is a life ahead for me, and there is hope, and there is life, and there is promises for me today. And so I am responsible for building my hope. You are responsible for building your hope. And here's, the, here's, what, here's what the devil would want. Your situation, what you're facing, what you're in, you have no chance at living. You have no chance of fixing this. That's what the devil will say. Hear me. That voice of the enemy, I don't even wanna give him credit, but that enemy voice will start speaking that stuff. And so you'll look at your situation, and by all circumstances, it looks very hopeless, but I'm telling you, I promise you, you begin to build your hope in Christ, you begin to build, the circumstances might not change, but you will, you will. You might not be able to control the elements that are surrounding it, but you'll change. You'll come to know him in a way you've never known him before. This is good news. You, you, you'll come to tap into things you've never been able to tap into. You'll actually begin to taste the kingdom of God when you stop living in hopelessness and you start filling your lives with hope. Hope is being, being stirred right now in the body of Christ. We need a body. Kingdom of God needs a body that's resilient in hope proclaiming the goodness of God in the land of the living, speaking out purpose and vision and destiny, speaking out hope. To be a people that believe that what he said will come to pass. Can I just get the, the keys, please? I feel like we're just gonna park the bus here in a moment. You know, I'm responsible today for my son and daughter for building hope in them. Hear me. Back to the children, I'm, I'm responsible. Rachel and I are responsible to build hope in my children today. And you know how I do that? Like Psalm 78 says, he decreed statu status, statues for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach their children. So the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born, and they in turn would tell their children. Then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commandments. I am responsible today to build hope in my life so that I build hope in the next generation. See, we have to get out of the posture that this is just a one generational thing. Hear me, your life is not just for you. This thing is not just for you. Hear me, this is really important. This thing that the Holy Spirit wants to do in you is for generations, is for legacies of generation. You're like, well, I'm just, I'm just 25 and I'm just chilling. It's not 25, you're not just chilling. The Lord wants to do something and he wants to put hope in you. He wants to fill you with hope because you're gonna then one day speak the hope to your children and to your children's children and to the generations to come. You're gonna declare, declare and decree the power of God over the generations to come. I'm responsible for the hope to build it in my kids right now, but one day my son and daughter will stand before God on their own accord and have to respond, you with me? We have a calling and a mandate to be a people that build hope, resilient hope. See, hopelessness is... It's such a trap. Hopelessness looks at the uh, like at life through lenses that nothing will be able to be resolved, that nothing will be able to be fixed. 
Hopelessness gets us fixated on, uh, on the fact that the, the, the problems we see in front of us, that's our portion. Instead of actually looking and knowing that I actually serve a God full of promise and that the problems that I see in front of me, the promises are way bigger. It's like taking the stones like David did. He pulled them from the water, he put them in his sack and he, his satchel and he walked up to the giant and he said, hey, you can shout all day long. Hopelessness can shout all day long. But you know what? I have the word of God. I have the living promises of God. And I'm gonna declare right now that here in this land, this giant will not stand. Hopelessness will get you fixated on all the situations and problems. It's the enemy. It's what he does. It's really bad decisions to stay parked there, but that's what he does. Is this okay this morning? He tries to rob us from the delight of feasting at the table of God. Because see, what hopelessness did for me for a season was stop me from turning to the table of God. Hopelessness. What hope does? It builds, believes, it trusts, and anticipates good. How many of you are anticipating good today? Right, my hand is up, I'm anticipating good. I'm anticipating the kingdom of God. Hope does that, even in the darkest circumstances. Hope looks to the face of God. Hope trusts and believes in the promises of God. See, see, sometimes we just have to, let me say this, for some of you in the situations right now that you're facing, some of you just need to begin to speak out hope. You know, your words have power. I'm not a word of faith guy, right, right? Like, I am, but I'm not. Does that make sense? Some of you are like, whoa. Like, I'm, I'm not the guy that's like, just, dude, your leg's broken. Like, let's get you to the hospital, right? But I'm also the guy that's like, your leg's, leg's broken. Let's pray first. And if nothing, that, you with me? You with me? But what I do believe is that we actually have power right here. And when this thing's pure and this thing's filled with hope, what comes out of here begins to create and produce life. This is good word, church. Like, like it's not just wishful thinking. It's not, oh, I hope this thing changes or I hope. No, it's believing that what God has said, it actually happened. And I'm gonna begin to declare it and speak it because hope anticipates good. Hope believes and builds. Hope trusts for all good things. Amen? This heaven on earth happens when we as the people begin to build a resilient hope in Christ. Not looking at the world and going, ah, it's just done. No, actually believing that what he said he wants to do. He wants to return the son's hearts back to the fathers. He wants to, to do good works in those and carry it out to completion. He wants to bring miracles, signs, and wonders here to Chicago as it is in heaven. He's not done. Resilient hope, rise up. It's a yielding to who he is. It's a yielding to who he is. You know, I heard it, I think, I think Bill Johnson said it, yeah, when, when I was listening to him a couple months back, he preached on a message on hope right after, if I'm not mistaken, his wife just passed away. His wife just passed away. I, I, I was watching this man, man of faith, pillar, preaching a message on hope right after his wife just passed away. How do you get there? You build your life on the things of God every single day. Listen, <laughs> he says hopelessness is the believer's heart disease. I think that's so powerful. That's really good, it's really simple. Man, why do I feel like I just can't function? It's probably hopelessness. Probably hopelessness has settled in some part of my spirit, my mind, my heart. 
and now I'm right, right, functioning back, like being sick, it's really hard to function. Anybody else? Right? I don't get out of bed when I have a head cold. It's really hard. So hopelessness settles in, it starts to create a heart disease. But that's not the portion that God would have for us. Are you okay, church? Like this is not the portion. Hope positions me and surrender. Coming to him, engaging with him, letting him clear out the hopelessness, letting him over, over, uh, work over everything that I feel like is hopeless in my life, letting him speak to me. And so real quick, can I just give you three things that will help you build hope in your life, resilient hope? Can I do this, church? I know it's post-Thanksgiving, you still got all the turkey in you, but just respond this morning. Can I do this? Three things, because he's really looking to build some resilient hope in us. What would it look like for, the, for, for Oasis Church Chicago to be a people so filled with hope that we're just bouncing around one to another, just building hope in one another, speaking life over one another, building it in our homes, in our families, in our children? What would it look like? I think it would look like his heaven on earth. I think it would look like his heaven on earth. Even in the darkest places right now, even in the darkest home that's represented in this room, what would happen if you just started to build hope in your life? I think the kingdom would come. Three things, three things that will help you with, with, with hope to build it. First is this. A resilient hope is rooted in praise. Very simple. This is super simple and strong. Give me a better formula, it's praise. I, I can't help, but when I begin to praise Jesus and I begin to lift up his name and I begin to worship him and I begin to adore him, I can't help but be changed in that moment. I don't know about you, but I don't care how bad the music is, I don't care how off the keys are. I, no, you're doing great. I don't, I don't. He's so good. I don't care how, like, whatever's going on. I was, I was in, I was recently with Pastor Nick. We were in Mexico and we had a conference. I didn't understand anything they were singing. I, I'm not fluent in Spanish by any means. I mean, I could tell some, some songs that were familiar, but like, I, I didn't know. But the presence of God was there. Why? Because they were just declaring his name. And then even in that moment when I have no idea by the natural ear hearing what is being said, hope was filling my heart in ways I didn't even know. I actually got a love for the building of God's house more than I have been over the last couple of years. I sat in the presence, I'm just being vulnerable. I sat in the presence of God. I was lifting up just my hands, engaging with God and not even having a clue what was being sung, but just declaring out of my mouth, Jesus, you are worthy of all this praise. You're worthy of all this praise. You are worthy of my life. And hope began to fill my heart. I got a fight. I texted Rachel and said, I'm in tears. I have a desire to see God's kingdom come through the church like I've not felt in months or years. Because I just started begin, I just started by praising him. Some of you, you've just locked your lips up too long. You've just kept your lips shut. Some of you, you let your circumstances keep your lips just, and the Holy Spirit's saying, just begin to praise. Just begin to, just Fight off the, 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 the distractions. Fight off the, 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 the thing telling you not to. Just, just open up your mouth. Open up your mouth. David says, I will praise you more and more. When was the last time you praised him? More and more. When was the last time in a hopeless situation you just started to praise God? When was the last time you needed something from God? I know, hey, listen, if he doesn't do another thing, we're good, but he wants to work in us and through us. Hear me. We are his, his great design. When was the last time you just began to praise him when you needed something instead of asking him for it? When was the last time you just began to sing over your marriage? When was the last time you began to just worship over your children? Is this helping? Because I'm telling you, when you worship him, praises begin to be filling up out of your life and in your home, hope begins to rise. Why? You take your eyes off of you. Your eyes come off of you. 
And they look to an all-consuming all, all God, a create, the creator, the designer, the one that loves you, it, right? It, it gets you off of you and, and all the circumstances that are heavy and hard, and it looks to an all-consuming God. Worship has got to be rooted. You have to root yourself in worship. Now listen. Do whatever you want to do when it comes to worship. There's not some formula. There's not some, I gotta have this playlist and these songs. Like, no, I'm, I, just find out what works for you. For me, and many of you know, is me going on walks an hour a day in that season, crying before God, blessing him, telling my soul how good he is, telling my soul and my heart that this is not the end for me because of what he says. So God, you're worthy of all the praise. Some of you, you, you're so trapped because of the circumstances. I wonder what would happen if you just unleashed your mouth with praise. Hello, is this okay? Root your lives in praise. We praise a whole bunch of stuff because here's the reality. You will go praise, some of you in this room, you'll go praise that TV in about two hours or an hour. You'll go praise that sports team. You'll go praise the World Cup. You'll do it all. You'll give praise to so much stuff. But then when it comes to God, you're like, oh, I'm not giving him. He hasn't done anything for me. That's a lie. You're breathing. <laughs> you're breathing. I'm really speaking today. Some of you, I know this is really hard, but this is good. This is, feel God. Like, open up your mouth. Give him more praise than you give this world. Give him more time than you gave the world. How about that? Some of you are like, I praised him for 30 minutes and nothing changed. Well, you gave the world 30 years. Just give him the praise and watch as hope begins to rise up. The second thing is this, is a resilient hope is built up in the word of God. What you ingest will come, in, will come out of you. You have a choice to build your lives on the rock or on the sand. Choose today which one you wanna do. Hope happens when you build your lives, Danny, on the things of God. As a future husband, build your life on the rock and you will see hope in your family. I promise you that. Build your life on the things of God, not on what, what people might say, not on Instagram preachers and pastors. Build your own hope by consuming the word of God. Can I read the Bible just a couple times? We're almost done. Can I read the Bible? Can I read the Bible? Can I read the Bible this morning? Watch, watch what happens. Okay, Psalms 27, four through five. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only, th this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. How many of you needed that? How many, that just a little bit of hope, just adrenaline shot? He will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will, not, he will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Amen? Say amen. <laughs> I will remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. I will be confident of this, that I will see the Lord in the land of the living. Psalms 27. Psalm 71. In you, Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. Be my rock of refuge to which I always can go. Give the command to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. This is Bible. I don't know about you, but I'm feeling hope rise up even in my heart. Psalm 62, five. Find rest, O my soul, in God alone. My hope comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. Do you want some more? Do you want some more? Right, right, Psalms 119, 114. You are my refuge and my shield. I have put my hope in your word. Proverbs 23, 18. There is surely a future hope for me. There is surely a future hope for you and your hope will not be cut off. 
Isaiah 55, three, Pastor Nick was reading this earlier. I said, I just gotta add this, it's so good. Give ear and come to me. Listen, that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful love promise to David. He makes an everlasting covenant with us. He has covenant. Okay, I'll, I'll read real slow. Isaiah 44, 10. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purposes for which I sent it. Out of the mouth of God, the words that he speaks will accomplish what he's promised. Romans 5, verse 5, and hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. Romans 12, 12, be joyful in hope. Be joyful in hope. Be joyful in Instagram. No, be joyful in hope. Romans 15, four, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and in the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Romans 15, 13, one more, two more. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Hope happens when you root yourselves in the word of God. Oh, he that began a good work in me is gonna carry it to completion. I am his great design. I am his masterpiece. I am his handiwork. Some of you are like, I'm just hopeless. Well, you're not consuming. Hope rises when you feast at the table of God. Last thing is this, is that okay? I know, just a few moments. Resilient hope looks to the eternal. First Peter 5 says this, it's, a, it's an inheritance, the living hope of Jesus Christ. It's an inheritance. Your inheritance is today, right now, for each one in this room, is an inheritance that will never spoil, never perish, never fade. It's eternal. It's eternal. You should say amen to that. It's not gonna be taken from you by your bad decisions. It's not gonna be taken from you by your bad choices. He's a kind and full mercy. He's kind and full of mercy. He's kind and full of mercy. He's inviting you back in. He's calling you back in. But what you've received from him will never spoil, will never fade, will never run out. It's an eternal promise that our hope is yet to come, but we get to also experience that promise today because it's the kingdom of now and yet to come. So while I wait, I get to taste even today the goodness of my God. Are you with me? And so what that should do is going, man, all the circumstances, all the darkness, all the failed relationships, all the hardships, everything that I, I know that it feels really, really hard and feels like I'm never gonna get out, but because of his great riches of hope, I can hold on to what is ahead and know that I'm confident today that the goodness of God is for me and with me and in me. I look to the eternal. Hopelessness plays the short game. Hope plays the long game. You with me? Hope plays the long game. So I'm not gonna let this stuff or this stuff knock me off of my hope. I'm gonna look to the eternal. He wants to build resilience in us, a resilient hope to know him, to believe for his word to come to pass and to be true, to praise him, worship him. He's worthy of it. Y'all should smile, this is good. We don't serve a dead God. We don't serve a hopeless God. We don't, we don't get a, a dead hope, we get a living hope promised to us. This should, this should awaken us.
Yeah, man, the, this is really hard, and I'm not really sure how this is going to work out. This seems like it's on the brink. And, man, you know what? It might have already failed. It might have already come to pass. Like, okay, you know what? But I don't trust that that's the end of my life for me. I don't trust that that's the final word that God has over my life. I don't trust that that is the portion that he would have for me. I trust in great hope. I trust in great hope that what he's going to do is going to do in me.